Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today on the show, I am joined by Orlean of the podcast Spooky and Strange, and also new co-host and partner in Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Uh, today, Orlean and I are discussing the 2009 cult classic Jennifer's Body. Hello, Orlean. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about Jennifer's Body. Yes, I am too. This is... Um, this is a movie, this was a blind spot for me. This is actually my first time watching it for the podcast. First time I've seen this movie. I know this movie is very popular with lots of different people. There's always, I feel like at least once a week, I see a GIF on Twitter referencing this movie. Was this also your first time watching the movie? Yeah, absolutely. First time, although like you, I've known of it, of course. I There are podcast episodes about it. There are videos. There are think pieces. There are online fights um and i had kind of not purposefully av- avoided it but hadn't found a reason to watch it until now this movie came out in 2009 it was directed by karen kusama one of my one who i think is a brilliant horror movie director she also directed the invitation which is fantastic and very different from this movie this movie was also written by diablo cody who wrote juno just 2 years before this movie um Another high school kind of movie in that same vein. Very witty, snippy, snappy kind of dialogue. Um, this movie stars Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox. Okay, Orlean. So this movie came out in 2009. Where where were we at in the year 2009? Where were we at personally in our lives when this came oh out? Oh my gosh, what a great question. So 2009, <laughs> I was a senior in college about to graduate into a horrifying recession with uh, no job. <laughs> but uh, on the fun side, I was listening to all the music in this movie. Panic at the Disco, Four Years Strong, I love Bayside. Um, I loved all the posters. I loved all the, the music cues in the movie. Um, I was a little bit older than these characters, but you know, going to concerts, going to bars, making friends, uh, meeting people. Like, it doesn't feel that far off from where I was. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this, I, I was in the year 2009. I was a freshman in high school when this came out. And being a high school boy, this movie was definitely targeted to, I think, my demographic. Um and it's definitely something I kind of want to get into is like the marketing of this and like who this movie is supposed to be for and then who the studio marketed towards because it. Oh my gosh. Yes. I want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I was, again, my first time watching this, I didn't watch any trailers or anything, you know, going into it. Because I, I was like, oh, I remember the marketing from when I was a kid mm-hmm. and, or a teenager. I was like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's Megan Fox being hot in a movie. That's like what they're just trying to do. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it and see what this is about. And I saw, you know, that it's uh, Karin Kusama and Diablo Cody wrote, you know, made this movie. I was like, oh, this is made by women, starring women. You know, this is probably going to be some cool, like, you know, feminism messaging and, you know, like male gazy stuff in this. So, like, this will be, like, kind of, like, interesting, like, think piece to 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 talk through and walk through. But, yeah, I got to say, I was kind of pretty surprised at what we got from this because it's very different from like the posters, what the posters make you believe that this movie is going to be about and everything. Um, I was very surprised by just how 
I mean, I think that's like one of like the big questions, like first questions I want to ask you for this. Who's actually the star of this movie? Is it Seyfried or is it Fox? I think it's Seyfried for sure. Yeah, me too. I think she's, she is the star. She is our sympathetic viewpoint. She is our center point. She tells, she is telling us the story. Yeah, she is our voyeur, you know, into this story and everything. As I was, was one of the biggest things like in this movie starts off with that very quickly like hey this is from this is from needy's point of view and mm-hmm. megan fox will come later and which is i just find fascinating that that was kind of like the approach in the writing of this and everything i didn't watch any trailers either but i've seen all the movie posters and i think the posters were part of the reason i was like eh, because it looks like some kind of dumb exploitation like horror sex romp maybe and Mm -hmm. i was like eh, that's not really what i gravitate towards which is wild because i am literally the audience for this movie and i was in 2009 so let's talk about how like you are kind of more of the actual what who should have been targeted for what what about this movie makes you like the, the audience for it i mean the whole thing is about female friendship and teenage girl friendship, which I, you're obviously familiar with. There have been many like things said and written about girl friendship, especially in, you know, where we are culturally and socially in the United States. Like there's this concept of frenemies, but there's also girl crushes and being kind of in love with your best friend and competing and like it's all those things wrapped up into horror which is also i mean great thank you (laughs) like my you know buffy high school is hell i absolutely agree like it's one of my favorite ways to talk about horror is through like the teenage experience because Mm -hmm. everyone's changing and you're so confused and you don't know what the fuck's going on and we rarely get a movie that focuses so much on the relationship between two girls. I, I did find that interesting about how this movie kind of pivoted, or I, I don't want to say pivot, pivoted from the marketing, mm-hmm. and that you know this is really focusing on this relationship between uh, these two characters, you know, those two girlfriends that you're just mentioning, and it's it, it's it's so interesting about how like just the dynamic between them and th- there's like there are like male characters in this, but they all seem not even stock like they're kind of just there you know like i i mean they're they're side characters like they're side characters in the story of jennifer and needy like that's really what this movie is because well i don't want to get too much into the movie itself but i so many of these moments and this is i think what makes good horror so many of these moments are real snapshots from just being a girl in the world like it I felt I connected with it so intimately of feeling like yeah this is what it often feels like to be a girl in these spaces if you look like this or act like this yeah and I think like a lot of that at least I mean just from observing that you know in this movie was kind of saying about how it is to be to go through those kinds of kinds of experiences i think a lot of like the bar stuff that we get in the beginning of this movie like i found that like super interesting about like kind of just like what it's kind of saying like in it's not really necessarily talking about expectations i don't think but it's just kind of like how like how people 
how like younger women are treated, especially like in like these settings where it should be like a very adult, like at a bar, you know, like she's talking to people like these guys are like in like the police academy or like the bartenders and like these older mm-hmm. men who kind of, you know, are flirting and wanting to like hit on her and everything. But it's obviously extremely inappropriate. But then like when we get to like interactions with her and like the high school guys in this, like the high school guys kind of are just there. Like, I know we have like that one instance of the uh, Colin, I believe it was his name. He, he like asked her out on a date, like randomly. Oh, I like, have like, many things to say about that scene. Okay. I'm definitely <laughs> want to unpack that, but I was kind of surprised that like, we just didn't have like a whole lot of, I was expecting way more of just like, having like the the high school voyeur like male perspective in this of like just like kind of like goggling over you know like the hot cheerleader in this but like I feel like we didn't get a whole lot of that it was like a lot of like creepy older men at the bar like hitting on her which (laughs) I was just like which like that is very true and gross but I found it like interesting that like that's like where this movie that's kind of like where like that came from then like the rest of it for like me being like like in 2009 being like a high schooler teenage boy my window into this are like her victims and like just being like terrified to be left left alone in a room with her like i don't know it's like very interesting that they kind of like <laughs> did those two things that way well i i do want to say before they even get to the bar scene i think is when needy is getting ready with is her boyfriend named chip chip yeah chip okay and he says something about Phil Collins and she's like, who's Phil Collins? And it is the cutest moment. My note was literally points to her cute boyfriend for not mansplaining Phil Collins. He just like smiles at her. It's a very (laughs) sweet moment that I don't know. I picked up on it right away. I was like, oh, this is, he's good. Like that was a sign to me. Yeah. Right away of like, well, he's not going to mansplain or make her feel bad or shitty or dismissive because she doesn't know this thing. Like, that was mm-hmm. just nice. And I feel like that was such a, they set that up early on as a contrast to some of the other men and how they react to these girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Where point, it's like, yeah. he's not dismissive of the fact that she doesn't know a thing. But mm-hmm. so many of the men who do only want them as bodies are like dismissive of their thoughts and opinions are not even interested and don't even have those cute little smiles about them right yeah no and he is very like chip was like kind of like the level-headed very kind of like reasonable character in this movie you know I mean, like, kind of i think he just felt very accurate to like a high school guy who is not super experienced and not super toxic mm-hmm. like that's kind of what he felt to me where he's just like yeah that's kind of like a real high schooler of this age he's also one of the few people in this movie that actually looks like he's in high school he was i agree he was like the same age as megan fox and cyfred in this he was like maybe like a year younger but yeah he it's the swooshy hair that makes him look like he's in high school he really he totally had that look down actually in that scene when she's getting ready at first i was like boyfriend or brother Ooh. (laughs) um but I also think, like, you think that's a terrible thing. I think, like, that's part of why he's not gross and toxic. Like, he treats her like she's a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, 
it, but, yeah. So it's funny because like in that scene where like it could have been very much like any sort of to- if there was any toxicity coming from it could have very easily come from him. But it's kind of coming from someone who's not even in the room. It's coming from um, Jennifer who like uh, as Seifert kind of like dig- uh, says all these rules that she has for dressing and everything. And I think like I think I wrote this down like one of the lines was even like she kind of showed cleavage because like tits were her thing or something like that. Yes. Which by the way, all of this is so real. Like. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm not saying that like desirable. I'm saying, I don't know, as girl friendships when you're a teenager get very weird because when you're younger, you're all in this together. And then when you get to high school, it is much more of a zero sum game. Mm. If I do not get that boy, like you have lost or you have won or like it, it just feels very much like you can't be as friendly you can't be as team spirited because like you have to go for what you want Mm -hmm. I don't know I think boys in high school feel that too but in a different way yeah I mean I don't know I'm I'm trying to think I mean there was I don't know my high school experience I mean everybody has a unique experience and but like you know there are but like I don't like for me me and my guy friends, we, I don't know, we didn't have like these rules for that. I mean, and also, it's also well, kind of like that. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but it's also kind of <laughs> like that thing, like where, you know, like even like girls dressing the same is like kind of like weird, like, you know, like same outfits or shirts, whatever. Like, I remember when we went to prom, my, it, which my girlfriend and wife just doesn't give a shit about any of that, but like, yeah. <laughs> At, we went to my prom and she and this other she did not even go to my school so this was like even kind of funnier but uh she went to my prom and there was another girl there who had the exact same dress as her and no. i know and since she didn't go my girlfriend didn't go to that school and everything it was like really weird but like i remember the other person she was like pissed like you could just tell like on her face she yeah, was like absolutely livid. yeah and i was just kind of like me and like every other guy here is wearing like practically the same suit. Like, right. like, <laughs> like, like, and to, besides like outside of prom, I remember that I think it was like that same year I went to a party and this other guy, we wore the exact same shirt and we broke out over that. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah, that's part of the difference. And I feel like why I love movies like this because I don't feel like we've gotten that many movies about these girl relationships. And what they're really like. Everyone mm-hmm. points to Mean Girls, but it's exaggerated and hilarious. This feels more realistic to a kind of toxic, but also kind of good best friendship where like sometimes it works. And sometimes you're like, why the fuck am I friends with this person? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that felt real. <laughs> I was kind of asking that too. It was like, I couldn't really tell where the mutual interests were. Like, why are they actually friends? It just seems like. That needy is she just cares for her friend like in, in, she cares for Jennifer in like a very genuine way. She just wants wants to make sure she's okay. But like, I don't really see her. I don't see either of them really trying to like get out of the way to like make time to like hang out or do stuff or like they talk about like you know doing things from their past. I mean, they do briefly during that makeout scene, which we'll get to. But um, it's yeah. I I think we one of the things I don't like about this movie is that it is pretty surface the whole way. That's part of what keeps it moving, I think. Right. 
but also we don't get context for their relationship. We don't get a lot of exposition. We don't get a lot of history. We're mm-hmm. just we just know they're BFFs and we proceed from there. Yeah. And I actually think I I mean, there are a lot of people in the world that if you met their friends, you'd be like, so you guys have nothing in common, right? Yeah. Right. And like exactly. that's just true. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they just have like the right chemistry to each other, you know? Yeah, this is it, it also plays, you know, this this town the town that they live in is called Devil's Kettle, right? And which is like <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. Very small. I like that. Yeah, very, <laughs> this very small town in Minnesota. So like, you know, they're kind of like, you know, we grew up with each other and everything. Um I did want to ask one question because I was so confused by this and um mm-hmm. also just to, so the audience knows we both watched the director's cut which is marketed as unrated to just make you think that there's nudity there's not there's but, not <laughs> um it's it's way more of like what the filmmakers were i think actually trying to go for mm-hmm. compared to the theatrical cut and that we'll get into that here in just a moment but bef- before i circle back to that i wanted to ask did you understand this like oddly psychic connection that needy had to jennifer like there's like times throughout the movie where she could kind of oh, like yeah sense what she's doing or see what she's seeing or things like that and i was like even before the psychic connection stuff that we get throughout the movie at the bar she has like fucking super hearing and as she's playing pinball okay, she could hear the weird. band i i was a little confused about like what's going on here um i was not confused um because they gave us a scene that filled this in so that later my note was oh it's a blood bond is that it was it that like one split second scene where she like licks the blood from her hand sucks her blood so my only question was okay why didn't it happen with the earlier ones and i think it's because now jennifer has died I think that's what happened. Like, they had this blood bond. Jennifer died. And now, I don't know, it it opened up something between them. Maybe because the the succubus demon is now, like, in Mm. Jennifer's body. So the little bit of blood remnants or whatever, you know, air quotes. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, how I explained it away. And I was just like, oh, okay, they have some kind of blood bond and, like... I'm also kind of chalking this up, too, that this place, because this movie opens up with, like, this is Devil's Kettle. There's this weird whirlpool that goes nowhere. So they're kind of, like, setting up that this whole town is, like, possibly supernatural from this well, this waterfall that they have. Yes, but, okay, isn't the scene before that the one where Amanda Seyfried is like, I'm a kicker, and you're like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. And and then she she kicks kicks that orderly? (laughs) Which is amazing. This is not what I thought this movie would involve at all. Like, where are we going? Which Seifert said that was like one of her favorite like scenes to do was just to kick that orderly. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so also against type. Like it was for her at the time, and it still is. Mm -hmm. That I was instantly intrigued. She, I want to take a moment just to talk about Seifert here for a second because I really appreciate her as an actor. Um, she's very candid in her interviews. Like she's very like honest and I've been like a fan of her. I haven't seen Mank, which she is in Mank, mm-hmm. but that David Fincher movie. But I listened to an interview she did with Sean Fennessy on the big picture. And I highly recommend everybody to check this out because 
she it, it's an interview kind of promoting Mank, but it's a very candid interview into how she has um imposter imposter syndrome and like how she like goes through that and everything and like what she looks for in a script what what kind of roles that she's like hoping to play and like what what she like automatically eliminates if it has like this in the script or that or whatever and um especially from like a you know a female actor's perspective in like hollywood like what mm-hmm. what she's looking for in roles um it was very 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 cool and also very cool to hear her talk about the imposter syndrome that she has for being an actor and everything um I honestly think just David Fincher broke her because he breaks a lot of oh, actors. But um, it was it, it honestly got to the point where Sean Fennessy, who's interviewing her, had to say like, "Hey, like you did a really good job in this movie." And she goes, "But are you saying that for real, or are you just saying that because I'm on your show?" Oh no! And like she's like Poor so in, she was so in her head about it. But like it's I don't know. Like I her interviews are very very cool, and you can tell she's like a highly intelligent person that like puts a lot of thought into like everything she does. So I just, you know, I just kind of want to say like, it's, it's just weird that this movie didn't market her, you know, like, on the posters or anything. I, well, I, I agree, but also I don't want to dismiss Megan Fox. Who right. Was great right. in this. Yeah. She did exactly what she was told to do and like exactly what she was meant to be in this. But like she goes between like vulnerable and apathetic and mm-hmm. emotional and like, seemingly dead inside to anger to like she really does (laughs) i don't know we'll get to the critical response and how mean people were to just like all the women involved with this movie quite frankly but yeah like yeah both of their performances i think are widely underrated i think that seifert gives like a weight more like like she's the emotional weight of this but like mm-hmm. Fox does a lot of very subtle, like what you're saying, like she has like a lot of gradients to kind of cover, and mm-hmm. she does a lot. She does a lot of them very well. Like whether it's being like over the top when she is kind of like all like raged out, which is mm-hmm. what she's supposed to be, but she has all like these subtle, like they're not like kind of like character flaws of Jennifer in this, or not not really even flaws, just not like even flaws, just in- insecurities she... that she has. Like yeah. I think one of the, the the first time it like it really like spoke uh, jumped out to me was in, in the bar. You know, she we've seen it. She's a very confident person. We've seen her kind of like talk shit to Needy, talk shit to Chip. She even mm-hmm. talks shit to some like the older men in the bar. But then when she approaches the band members, who are like kind of like you know these like very metropolitan guys, you know they're okay wearing like eyeliner and everything. She finds them like so different from like her small town guys that she's like she doesn't really know how to approach them you can kind of see she's trying to impress them when she doesn't have to do that for the other guys and like her you could tell like her confidence is very different when she's talking to them I, it was it's very sh- subtle shade yeah. that she puts on but it's really good i agree and i i really want to get to so when she's talking to the band members it's not just that she wants to impress them it's that she has the potential to be accepted by these new people Mm. in a way that we've seen in her interactions these people have not accepted her like she's not a person to these men in the bar and I think part of the experience that I can speak to here is everybody shits on everything teenage girls like forever for all of time so far books movies music whatever it is if teenage girls like it people are like well it must be dumb and it's not for me 
And <laughs> so there's also this like yearning to be taken seriously as a teenage girl in a world where everyone's like, everything you like is dumb and superficial. You're probably mean. You're probably a bitch. You know, mm. there's just this narrative around it. And then when you look like Megan Fox, it's amplified so much more of people putting all these assumptions on you, like the people do where they're like, is she a virgin? I don't know. You know, like uh, they're making all these assumptions and they haven't even talked to her. Right. And the the lead band mem- member, Adam Brody's character, he, he has like, this that, like very gross line of like, oh, I've been to so many small towns. There's always that one girl who like, he pretty much calls her like a flirt, but like she actually has no experience. So like she's definitely a virgin. She's just she just likes the attention. It's basically what he's getting at. I know, like, and it sucks that she is trying to be accepted by them, and they have no interest in seeing her as a person. And like, they have extra layers of reason for that. Like, yes, right, they are yeah. shitty men, but also we find out they're like a coven. <laughs> Yeah, it's all it's, it's like it's it's an added layer of like literally objectifying her, not just right. like as like a sexual being, but like hey, like she's an she's object the to help them get famous. Like that's yeah, exactly. All, she's just like a sacrifice on their path to celebrity, which is actually a really multi-layered sentiment about like fangirls and roadies and like girls who follow bands become the most passionate fans and are also the most disposable to those bands mm-hmm. yeah like the, this is this is what i mean like every scene felt like so real yeah it um, does i mean it, it does <laughs> feel like i mean outside of like the supernatural stuff but i mean like it does well, and feel- outside of the fire because what the fuck <laughs> Like this... I, I thought, I thought Needy was hallucinating at first because her reaction time is so bizarrely slow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it would take somebody a while, but she literally like watches this bar, like the roof start to fall out, and she's just like, "Huh." huh. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of playing into maybe like, is this band like putting some of the people in the audience like in a trance or something like that? Because oh. Jennifer does seem like she's in a trance post this performance. Okay, that's true because it it gets real weird again very quickly when she's like, I'm going to go with these guys. One, alone, why doesn't Needy go with her? Like... That's my first sign that this friendship is not as BFF as it should be. Well, the the band members also don't want her. They've also like have. I think I think that there was a point where like Adam Brody did kind of they kind of closed the door. I think like they did. Oh, I'm just saying. Like say that. I've been in that situation. No, I've been on both sides of that situation, and like you don't leave your friend, but it does happen when you're that young because you don't understand the dangers yet. Mm-hmm. of leaving a friend when you're like well what's the worst that could happen right like that's what she's thinking except like watching it in my mid-30s i'm as soon as that van door closed i said they're gonna kill her yeah like this isn't gonna be like a fun sex party they're gonna kill her yeah no i mean yeah that's how it's playing it out yeah it is and it's 
you know, just like getting back to the fire and like, is she in a trance and everything? I definitely think she is because, like you said, like a lot of it just doesn't make sense. I think it's even just for, odd. yeah, even for, like for those characters, I think it's odd and everything. But the like w- when the bar does start to go on, uh, go on, go on fire. Wow, when it does start to catch fire, um, you could see Adam Brody's character kind of like he he notices it, but he keeps he's kind of like oh, okay, so like, this is like the magic right. that I just like conjured. It's all- all the reactions to it you're like what is happening is this real mm-hmm. and then it it is really real and but then it's also over very fast and all of a sudden we're like in the dark alone with needy and the band and jennifer yeah where did everybody and else go i like that the movie doesn't doesn't show the sacrifice right away like they just have her come back as this bloodied monster but like you you really don't know what happened so i like that we don't find that out till later in the movie i actually kind of like that i mean i liked that it wasn't as simple as i thought it'd be but i knew what happened Mm -hmm. like that's i think also the difference in watching it now versus when i was like 22 i probably wouldn't have been like oh they definitely are gonna kill her because i'd be like oh well it doesn't look great (laughs) but you know just like your understanding of the danger that's out there changes Mm -hmm. um but like i instantly was like yeah she's dead and not in a funny way just like the way it's shot where the van door is closing on jennifer's face like struck me to my core because I've been in that kind of situation and had that feeling at oh, the yikes. at the wrong moment. Um, so what am I actually from college? Uh, in two thousand five, when I went to college, Facebook had was still college only, and we had just gotten it, and everyone was organizing parties and meeting people, and I got invited to a party, and I was like, sure. These people are all verified as going to my college. That's probably safe enough, right? Because I was dumb. And this guy picked me up, went to his house for a party. I was like, this is fine. This is totally normal. This is before everybody had cell phones everywhere, by the way. Um, I We walk into his house, and there are eight men just sitting around the door. Mm. And I, the second I walked in, I went... This could have been the stupidest, biggest mistake of my life, but I was already inside the house. And like, so that moment, I was just like, oh God, that's so real. Uh, yeah, that, yikes. And, and it is, sucks. It kind of like, play, and that's a pretty common theme in a lot of the horror movies too. Like they kind of play on that. These, it's not even social dynamics. There's like these really bad situations that like women could like easily find themselves in sometimes. Right. And then, I mean- in the complete opposite of this movie like nothing bad happened to me and I was actually fine and like they let me crash there no one gave me drugs no one tried to assault me and the next day the guy drove me back to campus and like everything was actually fine but that is an incredible level of luck that I got at that age (laughs) yeah so anyway it just this is I I really appreciated the movie for just like the faces that Megan Fox is putting on are subtle but very emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And while we're still talking about this bar scene, before we move on to the subgenre categorization, I kind of want to talk about mm-hmm. the... Because, you know, we're kind of talking about how we're seeing how needy... We're, we're, you know, through the point of view of needy through throughout this movie. And, like, it's so weird that we're seeing her react to everything in this. It's, like, one of the big differences between the director's cut that we watched and the theatrical cut. Because in mm-hmm. the theatrical cut, it's kind of just happening. There's no real point of view. We just kind of just see it, like... And we we still cut to, like, Jennifer just, like, in a trance every now and then. Okay. But I think that, like, it's, in a way, just how this whole movie is through the point of view of Amina Seyfried's character and Megan Fox, but it's, like, on the poster for everything. And the movie is named after her, Jennifer's body. And I kind of found that as, like, a very interesting metaphor. And I think it's purposeful for how even in a movie named after her own character – it's not through her point of view. It's not through her lens. It's like still that. And we don't observe the world through her. We're still observing her still playing into the whole, you know, like female bodies being objectified and how like she doesn't have like real autonomy. It's almost just like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not going to put you in her POV because like we don't care about her mindset. We're just going to put you in someone else to look at her. And like, so it's just kind of interesting. I think it's like kind of like an interesting metaphor for what I think the movie's trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I have thought a lot about the title because it it does feel so purposeful. It almost feels like the title was a ploy and everyone initially fell for it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yep, this is about Jennifer's body. Literally, that's what the movie is. It's just like, let's look at this body. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> that's how she gets you in. But it's really about all of these things and experiences. But I love that the title is Jennifer's Body because Needy is the only person who isn't trying to get Jennifer's body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, oh, I have so many thoughts and I read some commentary and listened to some other reviews and, um, you know, I just think all of these people except for the foreign exchange student, really deserve to get eaten. <laughs> That's my controversial take. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like, um, for example, like the, the gothy punk kid who's like kind of cute when Kyle, they're making... His, sorry, I want to say Kyle Gallner yeah. is the actor's name, who was in Smile. So, this dude's in a bunch of horror movies. I love him. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Um, Yeah, super cute. But he has the nerve when they're making out to say, do you even know my last name? And I wrote, bro, do you know anything about Jennifer? This person that you asked out and wanted to spend time with and now are cool with just like having sex in an abandoned house. Do you know anything about Jennifer? No. I love you getting mad at the double standard for that. I'm so mad because I'm mad in real life about it, too. (laughs) I think, like, fair points, all fair points. But I feel like he, I just feel like he would know her last name just because, like, she's, like, the it girl at school. So I feel like, well, not that, like, he knows her, but, like, I guess, like, literally he probably knows her last name. But, yeah, like, does he know anything about her besides that she's a cheerleader? Like, why (laughs) would you want to go out with her, bro? Yeah. Oh, no reason you don't even actually want to go out with her? Because note in that scene, he's not like, oh, no, I think we should talk, which is what fucking Chip would probably say. He'd be like, no. Um, 
which I mean, we kind of prove out later. He does and doesn't. But this goth kid just like walks into a fucking horror movie is mm-hmm. dumb on on dumb, just like keeps making dumb decisions. Like, yeah, you deserve to get eaten, bro. Deserve to get eaten, bro. Love that. I did. That would to... be my poster tagline. <laughs> you deserve to get eaten, bro. Not not hell as a teenage girl. It's uh or she's no. evil, not just high school evil. Yeah. No, because neither of those are about this movie. Mm-mm, they're not. She's not evil. She's possessed by a demon. Like, what I find so fascinating, and I know I'm taking us down a totally different segue, but I just need to say the agency that is both given to Jennifer and taken from her is not talked about enough. I was listening to Unspooled Pod, and I, I love their I love when they talk about movies, but one thing they say is, well, when she kills the foreign exchange student, it makes her like not sympathetic. And it's like, she's possessed by a demon. This is a horror movie. This is not a rational why it's okay to murder teenage boys movie. <laughs> like this right. is It's like they miss the horror part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like also getting to like feeling s- sympathetic for Jennifer and also like Megan Fox and everything. Like this it's so weird Absolutely. how like this whole movie kind of like encapsulates uh, like her sort of experience. Like like at this time, like you know, being like an actor in Hollywood because I mean she had a, a psychological breakdown after this movie. And Not surprising. Yeah, I mean, and it's honestly going back and looking at all the interviews with the actors from 2009 promoting this movie and everything, it's very gross mm-hmm. and depressing because I watched a few of these and in almost like every interview, the, they always ask them about the makeout scene between Fox oh and my Seyfried. God. And Seyfried said that she was, you know, she kind of fought against it, but it was in her contract that, like, this would be in the trailer, like, specifically. What? Yeah. And there is also this, because, you know, sometimes, like, they'll pair off the actors, like, to do, like, the interviews yeah. together. They had uh, Megan Fox and Johnny Simmons, who plays Chip, uh, together in the interview. And the the person interviewing, I, like, again, I mean, this it just really shows, like, how much... 2009 this this whole thing is but the interviewer asked she's like all right so both of you had sex scenes with cyfred who which one of you was it more awkward for and you could tell they like they don't know how to approach it and you know the guy playing chip johnny simmons he like plays ball a little bit he's like oh well it was pretty awkward but i mean he 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 could tell he's like he's you can tell he's like not trying to offend anyone, so he's like trying yeah. to like he's he's want to say like he was awkward being with Amanda Seyfried. He's like it was like enjoyable, but still also like really awkward. So like I don't know. And then Megan's like it's not as awkward as mine, I promise. And he's like, well, actually, they get this whole thing. He's like I actually had a real sex scene. She goes, well, it was still awkward for me because you know <laughs> the implications. But uh, it was well, just like these gross kind of questions they kept getting asked for that. It's like this is. Again, even the interviewer is thinking this is what the movie is about, just getting all these hot people together. Oh, yeah. I mean, 2009, the whole early 2000s, like, I look back on the time that I was in middle high school and college, and it's just a hellscape of, like, oh, man, how many ways can you call different women and girls bitches and also whores? Like, Mm -hmm. it was just an awful, awful time while also calling anyone who was, like, beyond a size two fat. Like, 
everything about it and its perception of women was supremely fucked up and everything that happened to Megan Fox it was just like so clearly because of this like grossness and sexism and like objectification and -hmm. like nobody looking at her as a full person right it was very much like wow you're so hot so I guess that's who you are and it's like no no wait (laughs) she's like it's very frustrating because like you mentioned Seyfried being like really intelligent and thoughtful about her roles like Megan Fox has done a lot of different things and yet has been pigeonholed regardless of her trying to like get into comedy for example she did a whole season on new girl Mm. and like i don't know i i feel i agree with you what this movie does and i almost wish it had come out in a different time but i don't know how much better we are now i have to be honest yeah, when we get to the messaging interpretation of this movie, I def- there's a lot of things I want to like ask, like if if this movie is successful in what we think it's mm. trying to do, in in the terms of what it's saying about you know sexualizing young women and objectifying women, and also, I mean, we kind of also talked about it too, but like there's the you know f- female friendships and stuff like that. I feel like it does that stuff pretty successfully, but I feel like there's all this stuff that's in between the lines. It gets kind of messy with. some of it stuff going back to female friendship i do want to talk about that kissing scene between Mm -hmm. needy and uh jennifer because i it read as fully organic to me like again not knowing that it was in the trailer or as part of a contract like for gross exploitation but more in that When you are a teenager and you're developing these really close connections, sometimes having a BFF is like being in love Mm -hmm. in that it feels very similar. You feel excited to be around this person. You want to give them things. You want to do things for them. You want to like hear them talk. And so I think when you're a teenager, especially it can get very confusing around like, am I attracted to this person or do I just like, really feel close to them and I feel intimate with them but not in a romantic way Mm -hmm. and so that's why it read because at first I was like why does she kiss her back and then I was like well like you're a teenager someone you love is kissing you we know they always slept in the same bed like the lines are already blurred so when it gets even blurrier it made sense to me that there's this confusion hmm And then on Jennifer's side, I think she's maybe looking for connection, but also maybe because of the demon, like, only knows one way right now to connect, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, plot wise, I think it's definitely just like her being a succubus and kind of showing that she can, she can manipulate anybody that Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not, it. Gender does not matter, you know? <laughs> right. For that. But, but then on Seyfried's side, like, there's a lot more. And it mm-hmm. is interesting that she isn't instantly like, no, stop, what are you doing? Because yeah. there's this blurry intimacy in relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is It is weird. But I find it funny that you find that found that one a little bit more organic. And me, the whole time, I kept going, oh, this was definitely a contract thing. (laughs) Well, okay, here's what it is. I could see if it was written originally because of what I'm saying. And then when executives were like, 
what there's a girl makeout scene oh yeah that's gonna be the star and then they yeah. decide to just like exploit it mm-hmm. but it it reads to me as like also hormones like hormones yeah. cypher's just having sex for the first time like megan fox is like exploring all this stuff with these boys like lots of hormones lots of confusion mm-hmm. i don't know that's why that fe- all of these felt like things that would happen it's weird i don't know at least, at least for me while i was watching it i just kept going wow this is just like one of the like, most male gazy things i think i've ever seen <laughs> like it because because yeah. also like the way that it shot too because it's like a huge like close-up on their tongues like touching okay each that other was weird things. okay the way it was filmed, I will concede, full male gaze. Like, that is not how I would have shot that if I were trying to show this messy intimacy. It would have mm-hmm. been about them, um, not their mouths, because the super close-up was a little porny. Yeah, it was. And it, it was, was. kind of like, why are we zooming in on mouths like this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it was... It, it was a bit it was a bit much but um let's uh i, f- I feel like that we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground so far do you want to get into the subgenre categorization yeah you know what you are never a good friend even when we were little, you used to steal my toys and pour lemonade on my bed. And now I'm meeting your boyfriend. See? At least I'm consistent. Okay. So getting to the subgenre categorization of this movie, uh, what are some subgenres or just genres do you see this movie falling into? I mean, 100% possession. Possession? Okay, yeah. I 100%. Had that on, on like, too. this is... This is not... Um, sociopathic teenage girl evil this is like deep dark from the bowels of hell like kind of <laughs> evil i think <laughs> i wish we got like a little bit more of it though i think oh actually it's probably it's probably a, a, a perfect amount because maybe too much more it turns into buffy yeah exactly i like that it's more like there's this thing here that may or may not be supernatural at all maybe it's just like a hole Mm-hmm. But this weird shit happens, and you're like, I don't know. I'm gonna say, but with her being possessed and is like an actual succubus in this movie, does is that like a genre on its own of being like 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 having like a succubi in it or succubus in it, or is it like kind of like it just falls under that umbrella of like monster movie or, or things? Because like I kind of like it kind of like blends between all those things. But I feel like succubus or succubi movies. I'm not sure which one's the correct there. Um are kind of like a genre of their own sometimes because because the, then like you you have like all these expectations for like what they get out of it. Yeah, I if anything, I think it would be the subgenre would be like consumption of Cons- bodies of souls of minds. Cannibalism? No, no, because that has a very specific meaning. Okay, and I think that comes loaded with a kind of realism that doesn't denote necessarily supernatural or possession. True, true. So if you said to me it's a cannibalism movie, I would not be thinking like, oh, someone was sacrificed incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Yeah, so, yeah, so it, 
Okay, so not cannibalism. Uh, also, it, arguably, she's not a human eating another human. She's it's a good demon. Point. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I think I had, like, the biggest... I think, like, the biggest umbrella term for this movie in terms of genre is that it's a horror comedy first, I think. You think there's comedy to this? Yeah. Like, did I you mean, th- I guess there's some, but, like, I don't know. I found it overwhelmingly not a horror comedy. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, Diablo Cody, who the writer of this, she states this as like a horror. Like she envisioned this as being like a dark comedy. Uh, she she actually didn't want it to be marketed as a horror movie, but um, but oh, I mean, I mean, I, I was kind of getting like the dark comedy of this. I mean, like a lot of it is not uh, okay, especially by today's standards with like all like the kind of like slurs and stuff that they throw around in this movie, but uh. It it does kind of try to have that like whippy, very snappy sort of like um I don't know they're like high school or lingo in this. That's like there's a lot of like kind of like weird, funny ish dialogue in like this. Scream. Yeah. Like kinda, scream. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't hear people calling Scream a horror comedy because of the dialogue and the jokes. Interesting. I do hear people call it a horror comedy sometimes. But really. I don't yeah. think I've come across that. People tend to call it like their favorite horror movie. Right. And it is interesting that, uh, I don't know, I think Scream has a lot more dark comedy to it than this movie necessarily because I think on the surface, this seems like a horror comedy, but it is really a very, very sad, dark movie about possession and losing autonomy. Like, Mm -hmm. Jennifer is, what, 17 and dies. Right. This is, like, extremely sad. And, like, Amanda Seyfried's life, Needy's life, is literally ruined before she even graduates high school. Like, what is the comedy part of this other than there are sometimes jokes about Adam Brody and stuff? Right, yeah, like a lot of the jokes, like wi- like the the witty dialogue they have in this, it's kind of like played. It's not it's not leaning into the horror like camp aspect of it. It's leaning more into still being like these inappropriate, like se- sexualizing jokes or like these like weird ideas of sex and things like, um, right. and even like rape and assault too. Like they, That's they have what like I jokes mean. like that. Like, that like, stuff was comedic material. Mm-hmm. My argument is this stuff, if we see it for what it is, like it's not funny at all. Mm-mm. No. It's it's truly dark, but not in a comedic way. And nothing about it is played for comedy for the plot points. That's a great point. Yeah. Like the plot points are heavy and serious. Like at like halfway through the movie, I was like, didn't we start with Amanda Seyfried in jail? Like, because at some point I was like, there's a dark tone here that I think they kind of want you to forget, but you shouldn't forget it. Mm-hmm. Because we don't start in a funny place. It's not like, let me tell you about how I got here. Right. It's like, this person's life has been ruined and they are completely a fucked up psycho now. How did mm-hmm. that happen? And it's this is like the sad story of how that happened and she had to kill her best friend. Yeah, what is even- funny about this? <laughs> Like the dialogue again is still trying to be funny, even just like the opening with her in the sanitarium or whatever she's at, and she's saying how like she gets more fan letters than Santa. What she say, Santa, Doctor Phil, and um, some some like pop star at the time. I can't remember who. 
But yeah, which is also interesting because in the theatrical cut, uh, the line is she gets a bunch of fan mail from perverts. Um, so that that line is different between that and the director's cut. Um, That's but, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's again just just interesting. So yeah, I think. I mean, I guess we kind of disagree on the horror comedy. I, I I think it's like a dark comedy, but it's again, like you said, it's not playing into like the plot. Any, it's really just like these awful jokes. Yeah, like what? Right. The just because a movie has jokes doesn't make it a comedy, and I feel like that's where we disagree here. All this movie has to make it a comedy is the occasional joke. Right. Well, I feel like just I don't know because like, like the lots objectification of is not funny. It's not, but like a lot of Jennifer's lines are trying to be like those snappy, like objectifying jokes too. Well, wait, are they? I think or so. Or are they just like the character's personality? See, that's, well, I mean, is her personality just to always be sarcastic? She's not always sarcastic though. See, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the movie, I have a hard time like deciphering some of those lines as like, was that her being just was was that her being manipulative or is that her being herself or is that her being trying to be sarcastic because we never know her inner life but that's because she's dead like this is what i take issue with so much with the criticism of the movie like, is the movie is called jennifer's body the movie is about jennifer's body being possessed and all i see is like well jennifer does this and jennifer chooses to do this and jennifer does this and it's like do you understand the horror movie you're watching no because, so, like, it's not a teenage girl making decisions as a teenage girl. Right. Yeah, it's the demon doing it. and it's, That's not funny. That's horrifying. <laughs> right? Well, it's kind of like... It's wearing a, her body. Isn't it kind of like a, a fish out of water sort of thing then at that point? With, like, like, I think one of the things that, like, it isn't funny, but, like, it's weird. Like, one of the things where, like, we really don't know who Jennifer is, like, personality-wise, mm-hmm. too much. I mean, we get some stuff from... Needy's character and stuff at the bar, blah, blah, blah. But, like, those are, like, weird things to, like, judge a person on. Right. Um, we know her for, like, five minutes before she dies. That's it. Yes. And so, like, when we get to the next day at school and it's after the fire and J.K. Simmons, who, you know, welcome to the movie, uh, he he comes in and he is being very sad and, like, everyone's very depressed and sad and grieving. And she's, like, making jokes about She's dead. It. It and everything, but yeah, so, so like that's the thing. Like, like she's a demon. She's not Jennifer. So I think I was like, kind of like, <laughs> how much of it was that's something like the audience probably wouldn't know. Like how much of that was like her her sense of humor, or how much how much of that is like the demons. I think like so, uh, needy is our litmus test for that because she's even like appalled by like how she's talking and things. And it, which it is plays a sign off. to us that it's not yeah exactly Jennifer. I mean, I agree with you. I think. By delaying the the reveal of what happened to her and not having any internal life to to Jennifer's body, like we are left to take the surface explanations, which I don't really like, but that does tend to happen with how people look at horror movies, as you know. Like people look at the surface and they're like, "Well, this is what it is." Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with a movie like this, where people look at Megan Fox and this, they're like, well, this is what she is. They look at this movie and they're like, well, this is what it is. Um, I, I saw something that was like, what if Jennifer's body was a TV show? Hmm. And 
I am kind of interested in that because this burned out like a slasher. It that's something that I did have in my notes that this movie kind of feels like a big episode of Smallville. <laughs> or because it does feel like it does feel very monster of the week she got turned i was into, thinking supernatural but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like she got turned into a monster and now her best friend has to fix it um it, it does kind of feel like that and in that same vein it this movie did remind me a lot of ginger snaps um which is again kind of like playing on sim- similar things similar themes i mean with just like female friendships and body changing and but it's mm-hmm there's still like objectification and things like that, but not to the same level because you don't have this whole. Well, like, it wasn't meta... the point. It wasn't the point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whereas this was obviously like the point of this movie was like the layers of objectification, which mm-hmm. I think works really well. I think that. I don't know. I think we still struggle to see all the layers of the objectification in the movie and probably even around some of the boys too. You know how you were mentioning that they don't, they aren't like full characters mm-hmm. um, in a similar way to Jennifer. True. Like we true. only see like their surface. We don't get their interior lives. We don't know what they're thinking beyond what they tell us, um, which I think that's why a show could potentially be interesting because you could build out these Existing relationships, new relationships, like who knows who. Right. Um, and I also think it gets more fun to think about living as a succubus in a small town. Interesting. Right? <laughs> I think it would be way more difficult in a small town than like a big city. Yeah. Just numbers wise, I mean. Absolutely. That's part of what I was thinking. I was like, this burns out so fast like a slasher. But like, how would you do this if it didn't burn out this fast? Right. Or what if it was like Shaun of the Dead and Needy was not willing to mm. take out Jennifer and was like, no, I love her too much. Like, we're going to make this work. Oh, interesting. Kind of like, <laughs> we're going to make this work. We're going to. I was kind of wondering, like, you know, would it go to the spin of like Dexter? She's like a Dexter succubus. Just, just killing I the mean, bad dudes. Just killing the bad dudes. Right? Like, it could actually... This is where I see, like, there is potential to tell more stories here or, like, on this concept. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, what if it was an anthology about, like, Devil's Kettle? Because what if this isn't the only thing that's happened in this town? With that that whirlpool. With the whirlpool, right? Like, just imagine different people over time trying, like, different magical or witchy or weird things. And what does it do? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I liked is technically she <laughs> could like go on tour with bands and take out a bunch of like gross dude. Like Jennifer could have theoretically like gone mm. on tour with a bunch of different like followed them. And that's actually an effective way potentially right. to do it. <laughs> I don't um, know. I this I, I have a lot of ideas about it. Uh, I think the last thing I was going to mention for subgenre is that this is, I think that this is a genre onto itself, but uh, it's a high school movie. I, I think that's kind of like oh, a, totally. a subgenre too. Coming of age, mm-hmm. teenage experiences, like Which is horrific. sex danger, yeah. like there's just so much. I feel like sex danger is kind of a subgenre, not of horror, just of movies. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of danger, you want to get to the fear analysis? Yeah. 
emo. I need you frightened. I need you hopeless. So getting into the fear analysis, according to Dr. Carl Albrich, there are five types of fears that humans share psychologically. Those are extinction or death, mutilation, body invasion, loss of autonomy, separation, abandonment, or rejection, and then finally, humi humiliation, shame, or worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. So we don't have to talk about all of these, of course. There's kind of like a launching pad into some other stuff. Um, I think just like kind of quickly going through these, Yes, there's a very surface level of fear of death because, like, people die in this, but it's not about death, you know, like a Final Destination movie is. Um, mutilation, body invasion, I think absolutely with the possession stuff that this has, you not controlling your own body, um, and also the meta sense of, like, other people feeling like that they have, like, ownership of your body, too. Like, saying, you know, be, I mean, we get the line of how... Um, Jennifer has all these dress codes for needy, but like mostly about how like other people view Jennifer in this and how like she is just a body in this. Um, the separation, abandonment, rejection didn't really feel a whole lot of that in this. And then like the death of ego, like shame, worthlessness. I said yes, but kind of. Um, there's some humiliation stuff in this, I think, but um, I can't quite pinpoint it. But uh, uh. Orlean, where, 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 what all are you kind of getting from this? I mostly agree with you. I, I do think the abandonment separation, I do think it's there because after she dies, she doesn't just start killing. Even possessed, she goes back to needy. Mm. So I do think like that is the core over and over again. And so... Needy having to sever that at the end of the movie, I think that is like a huge theme. Oh, okay. Like, so kind of just like separating the the two identities, like the succubus Jennifer and Jennifer. Yeah. I also think I, I was going to touch on this. I think the way we come into this movie with different experiences also, the thing I couldn't stop thinking during this is I am someone who went to college without my high school best friend or my high school boyfriend. I had mm. to start over on both terms for like many reasons. And that's kind of what this felt like too. Is that like severing of an old life, old connections, old relationships, people who knew you then as that person and this like t different future that mm -hmm. like Needy finds herself in and has had to adapt to. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I, I didn't think because yeah, same thing. Like she lost her boyfriend, she lost Chip, mm -hmm. she lost Jennifer in this. She's probably lost her parents too. Because now, because right. it was Jennifer's mom that walked in on her killing Jennifer. Yeah. So now that's spreading like wildfire in this small town of Devil's Kettle. Um, yeah, I mean she's absolutely. Oh, the also the the literal physical separation of being stuck yeah, there. Absolutely. I mean she does escape, but. She is isolated in this movie. She's like fully abandoned. She is on her own now in the world. Like that is a kind of horror too that mm -hmm. I think doesn't get looked at in this movie. But that idea of 
you have these people around you, you have this life, you have this world, and then everything about it is destroyed. There's there's also kind of like this thing that's going on throughout the movie too, just like of their friendship and how just how isolated I I mean Needy feels like a very like confident person. Like she feels like she knows exactly who she is. Like she doesn't come off as somebody that's like, I don't know my place in like social dynamics mm-hmm. or anything. But the rest of the school doesn't know how to pinpoint her because they because we get like a couple lines of like other people trying to like single her out as like right. being les gay or whatever it is that they oh fucking say. God, and that, that was insane. stupid. Um but it's kind of like, hey, you're not as pretty as Jennifer. Why are like you friends with her? Like why did, are you like why do you get to have time with her and things like that? Which is also yeah. just like, are we like really trying to hide like that Amanda Seyfried is like attractive? Like it's like one of the dumbest well, things in this movie, I think. But <laughs> that too, I do think they did a good job of making her plain. I guess I mean like but they like, just like yeah, gave I mean, her some frizz so and she's wearing glasses. She's so it's like, <sighs> but the way that I I will say that's also very real. Like. Mm-hmm. If a quote-unquote really pretty girl is friends with a quote-unquote less pretty girl, which is all subjective again, and like, then people are kind of like, what's going on? You're like punching outside your class. Do you want to be her? Yeah, the whole thing. Right, and it gets to be a weird like, sorry about your weird fucked up feelings about this, but it actually has nothing to do with like our friendship. Yeah. Um, which like if I had to extrapolate, they've probably had to deal with that kind of conversation too. And it's annoying for everyone. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, I didn't actually pick my friends based on who is the same level of symmetrical in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I didn't pick anybody who would make me look good. Yeah. Right. Um, I, one, one of the fears, I have like a couple of things or just like questions. Like, is this movie getting into this? Um, but one of the things that I had was with the band members and like the pretty much like the whole like premise of this movie is that like they try to sacrifice a virgin but like whoops she's not a virgin she turns mm-hmm. into a succubus that t- in because the, the band members are like very toxic and like how like they view women and especially that like, younger women with the whole line that we get with adam brody kind of like saying you know like all these small town all these small towns have like these girls that are hot and they've oh, flaunted so but they're just they're actually virgins like he goes i know the type is like what he says it's like all right which again shows he doesn't know anything about her. But anyways, um, it's getting into that kind of like male gazy fear of like your girlfriend having a sexual past and you don't know it or whatever, mm. or like just like that like yeah. un that like is it unrational? Yeah, unrational fear of like irrational. Ir- thank you. That irrational, toxic fear of like your girlfriend should have only had a sexual past with you right. and no one else, and like you don't <laughs> want to hear about it, but you're allowed to have whatever sort of past that you want and it's kind of like that things like that's like it's like that toxic dude's biggest fear is like whoops your girlfriend has had sex before and now she's turned into this so i i feel like it was kind of playing into that sort of like douchey thing that douchey fear yeah related to that i've been thinking a lot about the title jennifer's body and the fact that since this movie came out and i'm not tying them together i'm just saying like culturally in the last 10 or so years your sexual history is now being referred to as a body count, which is not how we used to talk about it. I And I just want to say, like, that is particularly gross to me as a new thing that we were all, like, adopting. Like, it used to just be, like, what's your number, which is way less, like, objectifying. 
It still feels pretty gross, though. It was always gross, but there was a Friends <laughs> episode where, like, they both, uh, like, share their number or whatever. But it wasn't I, – I, it's just so much grosser saying what's your body count because it feels like going back to the time of, like, yeah, slaying pussy or whatever. You know, just, like, really gross yeah. ways of talking about it where it's like, no, it's not how many people you fucking murdered sa- slash made love to. Like, what are we saying here? <laughs> I know it's it, it it's very <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, that's I feel like there's there are fears tied in to like becoming part of someone's body count, quote unquote, like you were mm, saying that right. you like you're not special. You're just like another body to someone like Jennifer. True. True. Yeah. Like it goes both ways. Objectification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in getting into that though, with the, you know having sexual past being sexual, is this movie at all? Do you think is getting into like the fear of sexual, like being sexually active, or like at least like the teenagers, like fear of yes. sex at all in this? Because like at least with and this is a point, and I don't know how to quite articulate how it makes me feel, but like I think like one of, like the one like the scariest moments of this movie, I think. I mean, this movie I don't think is at face value scary. Like, there aren't like constructed scenes that make me scary, but like the ideas of this are. Yeah. Um, but the the death scene of Colin, when who was like the emo boy with the lip ring, um, you know, she gets into this isolated house, and you could tell he is so uncomfortable throughout that whole scene. I think. Right. What are you doing? Turn around. This is clearly a horror movie. Clearly, but it's kind of like the thing, like. It, Again, is it playing to, you know, is he not taking her as a serious threat because she's a woman sure. and everything? But um, you could tell that, like, you know, he's obviously attracted to her because he asked her out. But uh, is, like, was he, like, wanting sex, actually? Was he just wanting, like, a date or was he just wanting to make out or whatever? Because, like, she is being, like, pretty aggressive and everything and all this. And you could just tell he is just, like, I've never actually had sex before. Like, fuck, I'm with her. And she has a reputation. Like, oh, my God. He, I could just, like, I could see all the scenarios running through his forehead of this about, like, even, like, you know, not even thinking she's a monster. It's like, wow, I'm going to be a bad performer uh, in this, <laughs> I think. And, like, I don't even know what to do, you know, because I'm a high school boy who poses. Um, so I kind of, like, saw all that and, like, how, like, oh, and it's kind of like that reveal, like sex is act, like sex is actually terrifying and scary, which is I think like I guess you kind of take like the metaphor from her, like eating the boys or whatever. I don't know, but uh, so, I mean, I'd also say it's the metaphor of her going with the band. The metaphor of her going with the band, like that, is why sex is scary for girls because oh, yeah. You could be going to have like a fun, sexy time with that lead singer, or you could be like gang raped and murdered. Right. Like, sex is scary. It's, yeah, it's about, like, you know, just being, like, your most vulnerable state. And depending who you're with, depends the outcome. Right, like, almost anything could happen mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you get into that vulnerable state. And I, I do feel like part of it is the fear of sex. I also feel like a lot of it is the fear and confusion of intimacy mm. as tied to sex. Because I feel like for teenage boys in particular, intimacy is not the thing they're encouraged to like find or look for or desire, but that's actually the thing 
that makes you feel safe. <laughs> which is like such a an interesting mind fuck of like this is about how sex is dangerous. It's also about how intimacy can be dangerous, like in the case of Jennifer and Needy. Right. Yeah. Like that's where intimacy becomes toxic. Um, so I feel like it's this is again the multi layers of like intimacy and sex danger, the risks of getting close to people. Um, and I mean, this is where it really became a horror movie to me when he's like on this dead, silent street. There are no people, and he's walking toward this like abandoned looking house that Which he has was to an break. Awesome shot, by the way, I want to it say was, it, it was great, so good. There were a number of awesome shots that I made a note of, like. Yeah, that like when just to jump quickly, when Needy is lying in the bed in the prom dress, like staring straight up like a corpse and there's just the sliver of light across her eyes. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Karin Kutsama is so good. That's so good. But yeah, Mm -hmm. when when the emo gothy boy is like clearly in a straight up horror movie, there's no comedy aspect to anything he goes through. It is Mm -hmm. horror. If you have to break into an abandoned house for your date. You're not going on a date. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> like that's. I was just like, dude, he had so many opportunities to just be like, I don't know. And he didn't take them, which right. is part of why I'm like, dude, you are being so dumb. You're being purposefully dumb. You probably even know you're being dumb, but it's not enough to override the hormones. Right, yeah, it's like who's actually in control, which is actually a statement that's like the whole anyways. movie is like, yes, yeah, who is actually in control? Yeah, who who's actually in control? Which is not an excuse for behavior, just so people know. No, but it <laughs> no. can be part of an explanation for like why is he being so dumb? What kind of boy would like willingly walk into this clearly dangerous situation alone? Oh, every 10 out of 10 would. I'm just telling you that. Like, (laughs) yeah, that was part of this too. And I thought it was so interesting. The only person who has an actual intimacy with Jennifer or her body is the only one to say no. Mm. Like, the only one who respects her body, I think, and the intimacy they have to be like, no. This is not going to be just sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, trying to figure out what's, what the fuck's going on, man. Yeah. Um, right. Which any of these other characters at any point could have been like, yo, what the fuck? And I do respect that Ship kind of goes, yo, what the fuck? Yes. Not enough. Like, literally, my notes are like, oh, no, he deserves to get eaten. Oh, until he doesn't. Oh. But to me, with Ship... <laughs> Like I like how much of it though is just like it does is she able to like put like an actual trance on some of the dudes? I did wonder she's... about that because Chip seems super committed to needy. Yeah, absolutely. In it seems very out of like, character. Right when they just started kissing, I was like, he would not kiss her back. Like, and then yeah, they're on the ground in a weird way where it does seem like he was drugged or something. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. I don't know. That didn't seem natural. Right. And the thing, too, is that, like, because she has... Uh, this is something I wanted to bring up, because I'm tr- so trying to figure out what the movie's trying to say with this dialogue. But, you know, when she has her victims, she says, I need you frightened. I need you hopeless. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what that it's... Because I feel like that's trying to say something outside of, you know, the movie with that. Uh, 
out of curiosity, were you kind of th- thinking of anything with, with her always saying, saying those lines, you know, I need you fry, I need you hopeless to her victims in these I mean, violent I, sexual I, encounters? <laughs> I thought it totally made sense knowing she's a demon succubus. Okay. Like, that's probably what they would want and enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, just going on with, like, general lore, I hand wave that as, like, yeah, that does make sense. Again, she is not a teenage girl making evil decisions. She is a demon succubus. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like, I mean, yes, true. Like, like all that makes sense. But I think it's kind of like, I guess, playing back into like these themes of objectification and everything. Like, it's she literally needs their bodies, just their bodies to sustain herself. So, with within that, they feel hopeless and I guess. But then you would think she wouldn't care. Like that even displays a level of respect for them having feelings that they don't give her. Is that respecting them having feelings though? Or is that just like acknowledging that? Well, at least it's acknowledging can... that they are not just bodies. Like she's literally acknowledging they're not just bodies and in fact maybe Good point. Torturing them beyond just eating their bodies. Good point. Like it is interesting that this is not a mindless possession. This isn't mm. just like a random like Frankenstein's monster kind of like grr arg. You know, this is <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be some kind of plan or strategy to this demon. <laughs> plan or strategy, I love it. I don't know. I know it's true though. I mean, like she. I mean, you could. You could tell that, like, the wheels sort of do spin a little bit. Or at least like, she always has some sort of, like, follow-up questions of, like, you know, would this be a good victim? Like, with the foreign exchange student, who has zero lines of dialogue, which is weird. Um, she's yeah. c- kind of just like, does anybody know that you are that you survived this? And he's like, no. He goes, oh, perfect. Perfect first victim. Um, well, yeah, it mirrors what just happened to her. Mm. Oh, that's does such a good point. Does anybody know that she got in that van? That's no. such a good point. Like, does anybody uh, know what they did? Right? Like, so I think it's a it's not like she is the first evil here. Like she is mirroring she's the not, treatment. Like she it it is weird because really the antagonist is the band, but for so yeah, many they kick off so everything. many reasons. So many reasons they're antagonists. I mean, like, you know, they you know, obviously murder her kidnap and murder her, I'm calling it a kidnapping. Yeah. Um and then they're also like tragedy like victims like like you know they oh, they go they exploit like, they exploit yeah. the tragedy and what was it the line like they're, they're donating what like three percent three percent of the yeah. proceeds of the song and she's like what about the other ninety seven percent great yeah. question yeah I mean so really they are the antagonists of this movie and then like Jennifer is kind of a secondary oh I mean she is well she is a vic she is their victim. That doesn't mean she can't have victims of her own. Right, yeah. I feel like that's also, again, it's the layers. Like, it reads very simple, but it's actually, like, layers and mirroring and parallels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, so it's interesting to have, like, those two things uh, kind of, like, fighting against each other in this. Um, I think the only other I mean, thing I mean, it's kind can- of like sex and intimacy, like, I feel like that's almost, like, a thing here, too, of, like, 
bodies and relationships, sex and intimacy, like how much, how, how much is enough? Um, is it, is it weird that when, is it weird that these movies that like try to like talk about like how weird sex is or like, like how scary it is, or whatever that it's normally like in a high school setting. Like, I feel like this should be like in a college sort of setting, at least. I don't know. I always just find it weird when we mix, mix like these stories about like sex with high school. I don't know. It just always feels weird to me. I don't know why. I mean, I do get it. But also, I think it's because for books as well as movies, like if you're a middle schooler, you're going to watch high school stuff. True. And so I think part of it is trying to like educate and inform of like what's coming or what it's like I don't know like think about Buffy like that fits so perfectly in high school in a way that I don't feel like it would fit and I don't think it did fit in the college years got you it because I think horror about high school is a lot about firsts the first thing being amazing the first thing being horrifying Okay, because I feel like if I were to compare this to anything directly, it would be Buffy. In that there are possessions and there is sex and intimacy and friendships and competition. And it's just all these like thorny, messy things. And my favorite thing about all that confusion is layering in some monsters. Yeah. And also I'd say in college, I think it fits in high school because in college you have so much more to do deal with and learn and experience and the, mm-hmm. the experiences get way more fractured across people once you're out of high school not that everyone has the same high school experience but there are like parallels and patterns you can use in a way mm-hmm. that you can't for once you're over 18 because not everyone goes to college not everyone goes to the same type of college like it, it fractures really quickly um and i mean that kind of speaks into the other fear that i think this is the last fear i was getting from this was just like the fear of like kind of like friendships changing and ending in this you know just you know we kind of talked about this a little bit already with just you know their relationship and her feeling isolated sometimes and her having to start anew at the end of this movie yeah and not just that her um needy and chips relationship is evolving they have sex for the first time I couldn't tell. Was that their right? first time having sex? I, I had a hard time deciding I couldn't that. totally tell because he was like, I got more condoms. Yeah. But then it also seemed like they're very new to sex with each other. Or are they just <laughs> true? But like, it's like also like they're just like 16, 17 year olds. I mean, maybe, but it, it just seemed like they're not remotely in tune with each other. Like true. the scene so highlights that that I thought like if it's not their first time, it's like their second time or something. There is also this. I'm so glad that we brought this up because there's also like this weird scene in, in like the sex scene with them, and it's intercuts with I think uh, Jennifer and Colin, I believe. But um, yeah, there, there's because it, it kind of blends how like it's not horror, but it kind of blends like horror and pleasure in this, and like how like thinking they're both good because like well, no we, one is experiencing pleasure. <laughs> Um, it's because, you know, we see, uh, Needy, she's having all these visions of like the ghost and the blood and everything. And she kind of starts crying in like, in a way. And 
Chip thinks that means like, oh, he thinks that this is positive feedback from like what he's doing. Because they're not experiencing intimacy. She's yeah. clearly upset. <laughs> yeah. And he has like, he kind of like checks himself out there. He's kind of like, oh yeah, look at me. And he's like, like stud. Yeah. No, check in with her. I mean, it's... again, these are not like major crimes. These are just teenage things. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it, I just found that weird, like how much the director was wanting to, and the writer wanting to blend horror and sex and what you think is good in in this scene also the idea i think of like what what is it to be part of another person what is it to be consumed by another person Mm. metaphorically and like realistically like the intercutting was so interesting because there is a very like simplistic sex and death thing you know like you always watch someone being born while someone else is dying blah 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 it's not even a clever metaphor but this felt more like the all these teenagers trying to figure something out and like none of them really getting it right. Mm, true. Cause like even the the demon in Jennifer's body, like we don't know what that interior life is like. <laughs> <laughs> so it it was just very clearly like none of these people are really talking to each other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah, they're not actually like asking for feedback or asking what are their wants and needs or right. they're literally all anything. Having... There's no questions really in this <laughs> right. movie. They're all having their own experiences and other people are having their experiences and they're just like running into each other. Yeah, that's actually a very good way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> um, did, did you have any other types of fears that you, you kind of got from this movie? No, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of fears in this movie, but I think we've covered them. Awesome. Um, was there any scene or aspect? Like, what, what's the scariest thing about this movie? Whether it's a scene or just element of it? I maintain that the scariest scene to me is Jennifer getting in that van and Needy. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the physical separation of them in that scene, like, it, it is so deep and dark. It just feels like nothing good is going to come of this. Right. It felt so ominous to me. And it's so short and small. Like, it's very subtle. But it, the way that the camera focuses just on Jennifer's face, like, even Adam Brody closing the door is just an arm at that point. Mm hmm. Because she's what matters in that scene. Right. And then it does do a very, and it's not clever, but they do, they do a very creepy cut. To him outside the van, giving like a shit eating grin to, to yes. Oh my god, that evil smile, chilling, chilling, chilling. Yeah. Adam Brody. It's so lucky for him. He's already the internet's boyfriend because I was <laughs> like, oh, Adam Brody, I am scared of you now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Similarly, I had that. It's like one of like the scariest things. The whole sacrifice flashback. As a whole, oh. as a whole, like, because I feel like, like, the movie, I feel like they're, they're not, I feel like they're not trying to, like, actually scare you in this because, like, there's so much of, like, unintentional comedy or, like, com- actually purposeful comedy in this, especially, like, within, with them, like, trying to figure out, like, a song that they could do about her afterwards and everything. I feel like it's played to, like, not make it so dreadful. But, like, it is 
gross and horrific seeing her like tied up and like muffled and like fighting back and everything and saying like you know I'll do anything blah 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 like all that is I think just terrifying (laughs) yeah I mean this is the scene I will say like there's no comedy to that scene just because the characters are laughing right it's there's no comedy to it and if people laugh at that scene and I'm sure some people have I don't want to be alone with those people because the comedy is only funny because she means nothing to them as a human. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but I think it parallels a lot to the climax and scream when Stewie, oh my God, when Stu and Stu- Billy <laughs> are, uh, you know, telling Sydney, you know, what all they've been doing. And like, as they're telling the story about how, like, you know, they, killed potentially raped because i'm not really sure if she anyways maybe raped and killed her mom they're throwing in all these jokes with your mom was no sharon stone and they're also throwing like now you've had sex now you gotta die Woo! you know the whole thing is like blending these like weird comedic elements into something very dark very scary in fact like to me that's why the the sacrifice scene is so scary because mm-hmm. Those people are out there right now. You could get in the wrong car. This could be you. And there are people with so little thought to you as like a person, as a human. That is so terrifying. And knowing as like when you're a young girl, knowing those people are out there, like there's nothing remotely funny about this scene to me. And so that also deeply disturbs me in a way where, like, I can see it being written that way so we can be like, holy shit, they are psychopaths, not to be like, wow, they injected some humor into the scene. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's kind of like one of those things, like, it, like, allows you to take a deep breath because she's just like, are y'all going to, like, rape me or something? And they're like, God, no. (laughs) It's kind of like, like, all right, well, at least it's not that, I guess. Like it. I don't know. Like, that scene, I never want to watch that again. Like, it yeah. made me so uncomfortable and mm-hmm. so scared. Stop there and let me correct it. I want to live a life from a new perspective. You come along because I love your face. And I'll admire your expensive taste. And who cares all right well i guess we can kind of move on to messaging in the movie and we've kind of been touching on this i think throughout the entire discussion about objectification male gazy stuff i feel like all that's kind of in this uh do you think it it's successful in in like what it's trying to do because like this movie i think it's it's very much shot very male gazy, you know, but I think it's like the on purpose too. Some of the mm-hmm. things that we talked about with like, I don't know. I I I think the way it's interpreted has been somewhat male gazy too. Interesting. Okay, because I think if this was directed by a man, it would have been way more like the nudity definitely would have been in this. Oh, there would have been boobs everywhere. Would have been boobs. There would have been like probably like licking things yes like act like i think like i think they also would have included her actually having sex with her victims and then killing them afterwards kind of like a black widow 
I agree. So. Or it would have shown her or like alluded to them raping her to add some like sprinkle of drama or something that's not to make necessary. it more edgy yeah right. or metaphorical to like what or, she's doing honestly just because there is this gross strain of people who want to like watch women suffer true like there are directors yeah. who have made actresses suffer for their own enjoyment those Stanley people Kubrick. are out there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um there i almost feel like that the pool house at the end of this movie where it's like this dilapidated thing that's abandoned and nature is kind of taken back over the pool house with like vines coming in and there's like all sorts of stuff growing in it. I was trying to think like, is this like a visual metaphor for anything that's going on with Jennifer and like how like her body's been retaken over by something more like more like outside outside of time? Like it's because, you know, it's like a demon mm-hmm. like is like, you know, what what is all of this? kind of i feel like it was all very purposeful that like it's in this dilapidated pool house that's being overtaken by nature again i don't know i just found that kind of interesting yeah i like that i mean i think again surface it's just a great horror setting very Mm -hmm. creepy very scary full of danger and yeah a reason to get our actresses wet yeah okay well i didn't even think about that because like Lacking a male gaze, I don't even make some of these assumptions. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, that's what that's kind of like what I thought. Well, I mean, I mean I, granted, you're probably right, they're at but... least you know in like very reveal, revealing. Or not ugh. they're in pretty big dresses that aren't necessarily yeah, they're like not, very revealing it's not or anything. Played up to be sexy, it's definitely a disturbing kind of scene. Yeah, but uh, Seyfried did say that because of this movie is now made her see like how like when she's reviewing scripts if she has to like be in the rain or be wet in it or like have and things like that and eh, yeah it's kind of playing into that i think i mean i'm glad she's learned that because yeah there are all these dumb dumb things but i like what you're saying about it because i i think part of where the movie doesn't totally succeed is that connection that you saw, I would have loved just a hint of it in the movie. Right. Because I think that would be really cool. And I mean, maybe it's like a deleted scene or, you know, it just didn't make it. Because I think you're right. I think part of it taking place there is like Jennifer's body is coming apart. Mm. And I wonder, I thought about this, if the like coming down off the blood or whatever made her uglier would we be more understanding of the fact that she's possessed would we give her more grace if she were getting uglier through this oh interesting like like she was getting uglier with the more consumption or she was just getting uglier with the more time the demon was possessing her i mean both (laughs) But, like, she, right? But because she stays, quote, unquote, Jennifer the whole time and, like, her skin gets a little bad, we're all like, well, it's still her. Hmm. Is part of it because she's still pretty? Mm. And, it's, and that is I a think line it might be. that Needy has. She goes, she, goes she, she looks ugly. Well, ugly for her, you know? That's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what the movie is about, too. And it's like ugly for her and you still can't see her for what she is right because she's it's only ugly for her Jeez, 
yeah no that's it's interesting to think about but the the thing that you made the, the point that you made about um having some like sprinkled in some of this kind of stuff at least just like getting like with the pool house and everything i almost did wonder and this is getting back to me like is this whole small town just sort of possessed or something with the with the whirlpool because you know we, we get the scene with the tree that she like looked at as a kid and how like it looked all like twisted and deformed oh, yeah. and everything and then like now we're getting this pool house being overrun and like that water at some point was over like devil's kettle i i assume just like all the waters town possibly goes through there at some mm-hmm. point so it's just like this weird possessed water oh, right because she everywhere. walks by she walks by the other end yes in which was out. like which was novel because like nobody ever knew where the water came out right and it just comes out the side of this road which is like wow these people suck because like it's right there <laughs> um i guess but <laughs> um yeah, so like I just kind of wonder like how much of you know this town Ooh. and everything is kind of coming over all that. Yes, you have a point. Yeah, sorry. As you said that, it just in my mind rang that like if what you just said is true, like there's been this place that it's been running out and they just haven't seen it. It's because they can't see the whirlpool for what it is either. Oh. They can't they're not looking at things and and understanding them. They're making all so these assumptions true. and stories about it. So true. Oh, that that is great. And <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, Needy even has that line of like, you know, does it go nowhere? Does it go to another dimension? Or is it just really deep? <laughs> right. Which is like, yeah, probably. But yeah. like, I, I love that played up in horror movies, too. Like, I love that we didn't get more about it. So we can be like, well, maybe it was nothing. It's just a, right. like, it's a fucking puddle that goes somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which would make the sacrifice that much darker. Like it's <laughs> it's not a devil's whirlpool, it's just a waterfall. <laughs> Cause that was my understanding. That's why the band came to this town, right? Because the whirlpool. Was it the whirlpool or was it just a it was a small town and they knew that they could get a virgin there? Well yeah, but I thought they said something like nobody ever comes out here and they were like, Oh yeah, we know we gotta come see our fans and in small places but i wonder if they looked for like haunted seeming places or like witchy spots that's a good point because the guy did say adam brody did say something along the lines of like you know like some i forget what it was but something about like you know like satan will help or something like that but (laughs) yeah i i I don't know this is one of the better horror movies i feel like i've seen Mm. to be honest and like part of it I feel like we often give points to horror movies for potential because it's so hard to fit everything into one, a movie, and then two, like a multi-layered metaphor and like have good deaths and like interesting scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also not bored for one second in this movie. Right. Yeah, I wasn't either. I really appreciate that. And it didn't feel like they were just filling it with constant chaos either. It just... It moved forward steadily. It does. And I mean, I can honestly see myself wanting to revisit this movie for like nostalgia reasons, just because oh, of, like absolutely. how like early 2000s it is. And the soundtrack is so good. I love oh, my God. that song, love- New Perspective, like Panic at the Disco, just making a song just for just to promote a horror movie is fucking iconic. I love it. Um, I mean, and- I even loved at some points in the movie, it cut to a song and I was like, oh, I like this song. Right? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> 
Um, do <laughs> for the cabin in the woods trinket. Um, what is a good movie proper item from this movie that you would put in the basement of the cabin in the woods to summon succubus Jennifer? I also also wonder if we should split this up to have one for the band and have one for Jennifer because they're both antagonists in this movie. Okay, so I'm going to go for the most obvious first, but also I think the best answer, which is one half of the BFF necklace. The Biff necklace. Yeah, that's good. Yes, I feel like that is perfect. And because it is also about the the deep, dark core of this movie and it is their relationship. Yeah, no, that is that's excellent. I had that too. Um, I had I think that this could work for either of them, but I had the Bowie knife that ends Ooh. up being found at the end of the movie when yes. uh, Cypherd picks it up. So I had the Bowie mm-hmm. knife and that could work for either band or well, Jennifer. I like how it, because she claims it in the end, like it's not their weapon anymore. Mm, interesting. It's hers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is so good. Uh, I, I had like the, I wrote down the occult books from the high school library, which is funny that those are in the high school library. Oh, okay, yeah. I I glossed over that because I was like, okay. Um, but the fact that there, she's like, I went to the occult section in the library, the school library. <laughs> <laughs> also, that don't don't tell conservatives that because they'll ban oh the library. <laughs> this is this is like a conservative nightmare. This whole movie. <laughs> oh, it kind of is. Yeah. Drugs, sex, rock and roll, succubus. <laughs> like right. Occult books in the school library kids out late right yeah no it's it it, it is their worst nightmare um <laughs> i had this doesn't go for either of them but i just really want that lip ring from colin just in the basement <laughs> I, just, I don't also, i don't know where it would go or what it will be on but I, I just want that in there yeah i i feel like if people weren't around or teenagers during this time they don't understand how many lip rings there were in the world there were a lot that was a major fashion accessory yikes i mean like if you have one great but i just see that as painful and in, in, in the oh, way probably doesn't hurt that bad although i've never i don't know also the <laughs> eyebrow was really big um i'm just saying like during this time these people that we're talking about listening to the music that we do like Mm-hmm. There were lip rings and eyebrow rings and colored ends of your hair and, you know, mm-hmm. none of this felt like parody to me of anybody. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it... all just felt like a slice of life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of it. I, don't, I didn't really have any other like cool props or objects from this. I guess maybe you want to get like super literal i guess like maybe the the white prom dress jennifer wears just like have that down there or something because like you know i, you, you want, I kind I feel, of prefer you know, like I, I mean yes it's cool but i think needy's 80s out of place and time dress that like doesn't make any sense at all i want to go as that next halloween is she still go? Is she still playing by the dress up rules that Jennifer has? Like throughout all of this, like she had to wear like an I think u- like so, a quote uglier dress because it doesn't make sense with her character. Like, mm-hmm. like especially given the time and the fact that everyone else at prom is wearing like pretty normal looking dresses, it felt so weird that it was like, did she make you do this? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like, did she make you do this? Did or you like- all pick dresses out together? And she was like, this is perfect for you. <laughs> Right, yeah, or 
Because that kind of shit happens. <laughs> I wonder if, like, the movie's trying to subtly now also mention that, like, she's possibly, like, or she's, like, poorer than Jennifer is now because she has to wear, like, a her mom's, like, hand-me-down, like, dress or whatever. Because, like, like you said, it is, like, very 80s. It it literally was like no I promise no one was wearing that to prom in two thousand nine. Right. I promise. It just was it wasn't in stores. I don't know where you'd get it. <laughs> it wasn't so in stores. Yeah, special it order it. Like, I wanted just a little more insight. Like, even if it was a scene where she and Jennifer are picking out prom dresses and Jennifer looks amazing and she's like, Oh, you look too good in that one. Put on this pink thing. It's perfect. Like that would feel true to life. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I think uh, I think I'm all done for the cabin in the woods trinket segment. Is there anything else that yeah. you have on your list? No. Righty. Well, I think that we're getting close to wrapping things up. Is was there any other notes or comments you had for Jennifer's body from 2009? Um, the one thing we didn't talk about. I know we talked about some of the funny lines. I love uh the line like, "You're lime green jello, and you can't even admit it." To say God. that someone is jealous, I, I I thought that was hilarious. And no, I did not hear people saying that. We said jelly, not jello. That's what we said, too. We said jelly. Right, this, we said jelly. Um, was, was salty ever used as a phrase to say someone was attractive? Because I've never heard no, that before. No. Salty was, okay. like, angry. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I don't um, know. They, they were making is, up I, stuff. I don't know. I feel like either they were making it up or it was like highly regional because this was just not nobody. Although maybe she did it so she could say lime green jello, which is funny. I like it. It's clever. (laughs) I that's the kind of thing that I want to go around and start saying like at work just so people can go. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how you make friends. Um, (laughs) uh, One of the whippy or God dang it. One of the like snippy lines of dialogue that did get a good chuckle out of me. It's like one of those like dark ones where she's on the phone with Chip after Jennifer went off with the band and he goes, well, Do you know like the make and model? She goes, I don't know, an eighty nine rapist? And I was like, Okay, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also at the end when Jennifer is like floating and it's legitimately like cool and horrifying and she's like she's just floating. Yeah. <laughs> but that also feels like, yeah, your dumb best friend. Or like you would just say, like, she's just floating. Stop it. She's not that just, great. <laughs> right. Like, it's not that special. Stop looking at Jennifer. I'm really glad we watched this one because it's really fun. And also there's so much to think about and dissect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I finally got this off my, my watch list and blind spot taken care of now. Um, Orlean Wells, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Jennifer's Body from 2009. Where can the good folks find you online? Uh, anyone can come chat with me about horror at Spooky Orlean on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, come tell me about the weird, spooky stuff you like. And especially if it features girls and women, I'm probably way into it. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, there will be links in the show notes to to your Twitter and Instagram pages. And please be sure to follow Autopsy Horror Movie on Twitter and Instagram at Brooker Horror. 
I want to say thank you to the patrons, James Cleveland, Tiffany, and Jasher. You guys are awesome. There are all sorts of fun things going on over there at patreon.com slash horror. And I don't know if I got anything else, but, you know, thank you. Thanks for so much for listening, and be sure to watch some good movies. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Autopsy of a Horror Movie. It means so much to us that you choose us to listen to out of all the other podcasts that are out there. If you could please help us grow by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Brooker Horror, retweeting, sharing our episodes, and come check out the Patreon page. This is a passion project and we dedicate so much time and effort into it and it means so much to see other people enjoying the show just as much as we enjoy putting our uh, time into it so over on the patreon at patreon.com slash horror you can get bonus episodes bonus kill grades commentary tracks special topics voting options and also a private discord channel that you could be a part of and if you just want to join the non-private discord channel just hit me up on twitter or instagram at Burker horror i'll be happy to uh, grow that flock All right, guys, thank you so much for listening and please share with friends.